Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. How many of you love the Word of God? Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And then once you get there, if you will, stand with me in reverence to God for the reading of our text. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. A a powerful and familiar passage of Scripture. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. The title of my message tonight, The Baptism in the Holy Ghost as a Lifestyle. Remain standing and bow with me for a word of prayer. Holy Ghost, do your work and have your way and accomplish all that needs to be done. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I believe the 21st century will be a defining time for our Pentecostal churches. Because of the external success of certain evangelical churches that are experiencing tremendous growth, There are emerging pastors and leaders within our Pentecostal fellowships who have begun to question the significance and the relevance of our Pentecostal uh, doctrine. And as a result of it, many of our so-called Pentecostal churches no longer give people an opportunity to be filled with the Spirit. They, They don't allow the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation like they have been this week. In fact, many of our so-called Pentecostal church pastors and leaders in some of our circles uh, have begun to preach and teach that speaking in tongues is not the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And because of the opinions and beliefs of non-Pentecostals, there are many people within our Pentecostal circles who have begun to question the Pentecostal doctrine. But I ask you this, why should we change just because non-Pentecostals don't believe what we believe? Why should we change? The book of Acts hasn't changed. The word of God hasn't changed. The Holy Ghost hasn't changed. Now, I know we've got some new kids on the block. But with uh, with the exception of charismatic worship, and I wonder where they got that from, These non-Pentecostal churches still have the same mindset, same opinions, and same beliefs that caused many of you sitting right here to lead those non-Pentecostal churches to come into the fullness of the power of the Holy Ghost. So what needs to be questioned is not the Pentecostal doctrine, but what needs to be questioned is this. Why is it that in so many of our so-called Pentecostal churches, there is such a lack of demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost? So the problem is not the Pentecostal doctrine that's been settled. The problem is the lack of demonstration of power. So I came by tonight in this final revival service on assignment. Didn't come here to try to impress you. Didn't come here to try to uh, bring my best message or my best sermon. Didn't come here tonight to try to razzle-dazzle or astound you. But I came by to say like the psalmist David did, In Psalm 71, here's what he said. Oh God, I declare thy wondrous works. Now forsake me not until I've shown thy strength to this generation and thy power to those that are yet to come. It is not God's desire for LVA church to back away from Pentecostal doctrine. 
and the move of God. But instead, it is time for LVA Church to press on and press in and pass the power of the Holy Ghost on to our children and our grandchildren. Thank God that LVA Church allows the children and the young people in this church body to come up and minister. Can I hear a big amen? And again, give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. Hear me, more important than speaking in tongues, more important than having name recognition in this community, more important than having a successful ministry at LVA Church is to allow the dutimous power of the Holy Ghost to be prevailing in and through this church body. Not just on Pentecost Sunday, not just in revival services, but for the power of the Holy Ghost to be prevailing in and through LVA Church as a lifestyle. Now hear me tonight. There's two separate and distinct works of the Holy Ghost. One is the new birth in Christ. The second work of the Holy Ghost is the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Now, The new birth comes as a result of God's grace and your faith. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of itself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, whenever you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, hear me, the power of the Holy Ghost with regard to salvation is best described in John 1, 12. Here's what it says. It says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now the word power in John 1.12 comes from the Greek word exousia or exousia. It literally translates the right, the privilege, the authority to become sons and daughters of God. Here's what God is saying to you and me in John 1.12 with regard to salvation. He said, I've given you the right to become sons and daughters of God. The privilege to love God and hate sin. The authority to be an effective witness for Christ. And yet, and yet he's not talking about the baptism in the Holy Ghost in John 1.12. Now, at salvation, everybody receives the Holy Spirit. You're given the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Romans 8 and verse 9. But it is God's desire for you to not only be given the Spirit at salvation, but to be immersed, submerged, filled with the Holy Ghost. And tonight, I want to focus the spotlight of your attention on three truths regarding the baptism in the Holy Ghost. First of all, And I'd write this down. One of the major goals in Jesus' ministry was to baptize the believer in the Holy Ghost. That's why he came. You remember when John the Baptist began his ministry and he spoke about the coming of the Messiah? And and, and in all four of the Gospels, he said the same thing. Uh, He said in in, uh, uh, Matthew 1.8, Luke 3.16, John 1.33, and uh, uh, he said that the purpose for the coming of the Messiah was to baptize, immerse, submerge, fill the believer with the Holy Ghost, a baptism that would empower the believer to be an effective witness for him. 
The second thing that I want to point out to you about the baptism in the Holy Ghost is this. Jesus did not even go into the ministry until after he himself had been filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, we know that when Jesus walked on this earth, he was 100% God. But at the same time that he was 100% God, he was also 100% man. Now, as God, Jesus did not need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. He was as much God as the Holy Ghost was. But as a man, Jesus, like us, had to be filled with the Holy Ghost to accomplish the things that God gave for him to do. There was no other way that it could take place. So at his water baptism in Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost. It says, and Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So get this, Jesus did not even go into the ministry until after he'd been filled with the Holy Ghost. And then from Luke chapter 4 and verse 4 to Luke chapter 4 and verse 14, some things began to happen in Jesus' life. How many of you know uh, that, that there's nothing like going through some things in your life to bring out the power of God in your life? Amen? So Jesus went through some things. And, and then the Bible says that, that uh, when Jesus came out of the wilderness, he returned from the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. Now, he was baptized in the Holy Ghost at water baptism, Right? But then the Bible says that when he came out of the wilderness, he returned in the power of the Spirit. And then uh, a fame went out about him all throughout the region, and, and he began to proclaim. He began to announce. He began to declare the anointing of the Holy Ghost in his life and the purpose for that anointing. And in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, the Bible says, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, I like to say it like this. The Spirit of the Lord, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is up on me. Now, let me tell you something, friend. When you get up on somebody, uh, you're, you didn't come by to just play games, amen? Now, how many of you know that there's something about it when you get up on somebody? And Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is up on me, and he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set a captive those that are bruised. He, I want you to know that after Jesus to give, to give a sight to, the, uh, uh, to those that are blind and hearing to the deaf, when Jesus got filled with the Holy Ghost and with power, when he prayed for people then, he didn't even have to lay hands on them anymore. All he had to do is speak that they were free, and they were free. Free from fear, free from doubt, free from every satanic bondage. After Jesus got filled with the Holy Ghost and with power, when he preached, he didn't have just have a good, uh, a good message anymore. He didn't just have good homiletics and hermeneutics and apologetics anymore. He had the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost to back up everything that he had to say. And from that point forward, Jesus began to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, all under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Can I hear an amen? amen. Brings me to my third point. Jesus told his disciples, point to yourself and say, that's me. Amen. Jesus commanded his disciples, he gave them a promise. He said, he said, don't even go into the ministry until after you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. What makes us think that we can be effective in the ministry on the level that God wants us to be effective 
without being filled with the Holy Ghost. And again, there are those that say, well, I'm not called into the ministry. Again, everybody in here, we're all called into the ministry. So Jesus, he gave his disciples a command. He said, he, he said in, in Luke 24, verse 49, he said, tarry ye in Jerusalem until you have been endued with the power from upon high. That word endued, it literally translates to be wrapped up, to be clothed in the power of God. And then again, our text, it says, and ye shall receive power... After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. And friend, here at LVA Church, we need the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost to sweep down through here and hear me in your services. If God wants to take over during the offering, let him take over. If God wants to take over during the announcements, let him take over. If God wants to take over during the preaching, pastor, let him take over. If God wants to take over during the worship like he did on Sunday night, let him take over. And it's time for us to Cry out tonight and say, God, come down here to LVA Church and baptize this church again in the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost. Now, it's interesting that the word power is used again here in Luke 24, 49 and Acts 1, 8. But it now takes on a different meaning. You see, in John 1, 12, the word power came from the Greek word exousia, exousia. It literally translates the right, the privilege, the authority to become sons and daughters of God. That's John 1, 12. But now Luke 24, 49 and Acts 1, 8, we see the word power again, don't we? It comes from the Greek word deutimus. It's where we get our word dynamite. It's where we get our word explosive. It literally translates, watch this, inerrant power capable of reproducing itself. The same dunamis power of the Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the dead would now dwell in you and me, the believer, to do greater works even than Jesus did when he walked on this earth. That's what his word says. So then look what happened after Jesus, after the disciples got filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, not just some of them. I hear a doctrine that says, well, uh, being baptized in the Holy Ghost is a gift, and some people get it and some people don't. Though I beg to differ. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Watch this. They received their dynamite power, and within an hour of being filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, 3,000 people got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, water baptized, and were added to the church. That, my friend, is a Pentecostal harvest. Now, what happened there? Because is it not true, and it is, that in John 1.12 they received power, but they weren't having those results, were they? What happened? They now had inerrant power capable of reproducing itself added to their right, their privilege, their authority to become sons and daughters of God. Two separate works. They now had dunamis power added to their exousia power. Okay? So the same Holy Spirit, one Holy Spirit, two separate works. This is the message tonight. Listen carefully. The purpose for the baptism in the Holy Ghost in your life and mine is to give you a lifestyle of dynamite power to be an effective witness for Christ. 
Again, more important than speaking in tongues. More important than falling out in the spirit. More important than having gospel goosebumps. More important than anything like that is to have the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost in your life. Amen? Yeah, power that produces godly character. Power that produces Holy Ghost fire. Power that, that uh, will cause us to realize that we're to get off our behinds and get outside of the four walls of LBA Church and turn this whole area right side up for Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? I'm talking about dunamis power. I love to preach from the book of Acts. I see one kind of a church in the book of Acts. I don't see any dead churches. I don't see any, I don't see any uh, uh, religious churches. All I see is an apostolic church full of the dynamite power of the Holy Ghost, reproducing the power of God, reproducing the people of God, reproducing the character of God, reproducing results that let people know that God is a sovereign God. He is alive and well, and his dynamite power has been manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Can I hear an amen? Here's what he said. In Acts 4.31, they were filled and spake with boldness. Acts 5.28, they filled all Jerusalem with the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Now, these are people that have been filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 8 and verse 8, in Samaria, there was great joy. Acts 13.44, at Antioch, the whole city was gathered to hear the word of God. Acts 16.20, at Philippi, the whole city was stirred. In Acts 17.6, at Thessalonica, the people said, these Pentecostal disciples have turned the whole world upside down for Jesus Christ and I came by tonight in this final revival service at LVA Church to let you know that we have the same dynamite power of the Holy Ghost available to you and me as they did back then. Can I hear an amen? I heard him say, Pastor, these signs shall follow them that believe. Not just Benny Hinn, not just T.D. Jakes, not just Rod Parsley, not just Pastor, not just me, but to them that believe. Do I have any believers in the house tonight? He said, in my name ye shall cast out devils. He said, in my name ye shall speak with new tongues. Do I, does it get any clearer than that? He said, in my name, you shall take up serpents. We need to quit arguing about whether or not he's talking about snake handling right there and realize we've got serpents in every one of our churches that need to be taken up. <laughs> he said, in my name, you shall drink any deadly thing and it shall not harm you. He said, in my name, you shall do these things. We need, you know, for far too long, the church has kept it in the church building. It's time for us. And, and you know, for far too long, the church as a whole, has been, been getting their behinds kicked, the Pentecostal churches. I say it's time for us to rise up with the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost here at LVA Church and get outside of the four walls of this church body and kick some devil behind. Can I hear an amen? It's the same dunamis power of the Holy Ghost Jesus had to have. The Bible says, God, God said, and God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good healing all that were oppressed of the devil. I want you to know that after Jesus got filled with the Holy Ghost, he didn't just teach Sunday school on Sunday morning or, or preach on Sunday morning. You see, in too many of our churches, we're, we're, so, we're more concerned on Sunday morning about beating the Baptist out of the Golden Corral or whatever restaurant is in this area than we are about allowing the Holy Ghost to move. 
I want you to know. And then we say, oh, come back on Sunday night. We're going to have a Holy Ghost service. Listen, if the Holy Ghost isn't welcome to come on Sunday morning, what makes us think he wants to come back on Sunday night? (laughs) Amen? Amen? I want you to know everywhere Jesus went, he ministered. He ministered at everywhere Jesus went. My point is, he doesn't want you just to be, be to, to receive from him here. He wants you to take it outside of the four walls. And Jesus set the example. He ministered at the house. He ministered at the well. He ministered at the, at the wedding. He ministered at the funeral after the man was stinking it in the grave. You say, what are you saying, Dr. Todd? I'm saying that we have that same dynamite power of the Holy Ghost available to you and me. Can I hear an Amen. I want you to hear me. Everywhere Jesus went, the power of the enemy was broken. Everywhere Jesus went, the power of God was manifested. It, was, it made it very apparent and obvious and clear that his ministry, Jesus' ministry, was from God. Amen? And Jesus, watch this, the Son of Man was able to do what God told him to do. What was that? Reproducing the power of God. Reproducing the people of God. Reproducing the character of God. It's the same power of the Holy Ghost Jesus had to have. And it's the same dynamite power of the Holy Ghost the apostle had to have. Am I losing my battery here? Here's what he said. 1 Corinthians 2 verses 1 through 5. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in likeness. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Not with seeker-friendly words. Not with words of man's wisdom. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Hear me carefully. I'm afraid that too many of our church, too many of our churches in these last days have put too much focus and emphasis on education and not enough focus and emphasis on the power of the Holy Spirit flowing. Now, I'll be the first to tell you that if God calls you into the fivefold ministry, you ought to do everything that you can to get every ounce of of uh, uh, education that you can get. I have an earned doctor of theology, but I do not depend on my earned doctor of theology for a move of God. I depend on the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost. So here's my point. The Apostle Paul was the absolute most educated individual that you'd find, and he did not depend on his excellency of speech or his excellency of wisdom. He depended on Jesus Christ. He did not want the faith of those people to be in him or his education. The Apostle Paul did not want the people of Corinth to, be, uh, to put their faith in his excellency of speech or his excellency of wisdom. He wanted their faith to be in Jesus Christ and he wanted those people to know that, that he was operating in the manner that he was able to operate because he was operating under the anointing of the dynamite power of the Holy Ghost. So the Apostle Paul went into the city of Corinth. The city of Corinth was a very, uh, uh, it, it was a, it, it was a, they had a lot of, of 
intellectual people that were in there. And it was a city of great knowledge. And it was a city of great sin. The, the very name Matt, to practice, the name Corinth meant to practice fornication. It was a very sinful city. And so the Apostle Paul, he went into the city of Corinth all by himself. He did not bring any armor bearers with him. He did not bring a ministry team with him. He came into the city of Corinth all by himself. In fact, history records that the house that, that uh, uh, the Apostle Paul stayed in belonged to unsaved people. And the Apostle Paul came into the city of Corinth all by himself with an attitude like this. God, if there's going to be a Holy Ghost church in Corinth, you're going to have to be the one who does it. He did not come into the city of Corinth with his excellency of speech or his excellency of wisdom. He didn't come into the city of Corinth and try to be seeker-friendly with the opposition. You know what that means, don't you? He didn't come into the city of Corinth and, and, and see how these people looked and then as a result of the way they looked, he didn't come in there and spike his hair and pierce his tongue and wear his, his pants hanging halfway down his behind, walking around like this, trying to fit in with everybody. Are you following me here? He came into the city of Corinth and here's what the apostle Paul did. He preached the word of God. He lived a holy life. He did good works, and he succeeded. A year and a half after he started that church in the city of Corinth, a year and a half, you see, it takes us five to ten years to do a church plant. You say, well, that was the Apostle Paul that it only took a year and a half. But you know what? That same dynamite power of the Holy Ghost that the Apostle Paul had, we have right now. We have right now. A year and a half later, the Apostle Paul left a church full of the power of the Holy Ghost in the city of Corinth. He didn't leave a Willow Creek model. He did not leave a religious church. He didn't leave a dead church. He left a church full of the deuterous power of the Holy Ghost. And every negative influence in the city of Corinth had to bow its knee. Uh, Greek intellectualism had to bow its knee. Uh, lust had to bow its knee. Uh, um, Sensuality had to bow its knee, not to the Apostle Paul, but to the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost, to Jesus Christ, because the Apostle Paul operated under the anointing of the dynamite power of the Holy Ghost. And the Apostle Paul, everywhere he went, not just in the city of Corinth, but, from the, uh, uh, but everywhere he went, the power of the Holy Ghost flowed. What was he doing? Reproducing the power of the Holy Spirit. Reproducing the power of God. Reproducing the people of God. Reproducing the character of God. It's the same dynamite power of the Holy Ghost the Apostle Paul had to have and Jesus had to have. Are you following me here? And it's the same dynamite power of the Holy Ghost that I had to have. If you've heard my testimony, you know that I was raised in a non-spirit-filled evangelical church my dad, Cecil Todd, who's 91 years old, he's my spiritual hero. He's not in good health right now. You need to pray for him, please, if you would. But my dad had the third longest running Christian program on national television. Very evangelical, but it was not a, it was not a denominational background that was, 
the baptism in the Holy Ghost that, did, that, that operated in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. In the denomination that I was raised in, we believed in the exousia power of the Holy Spirit to be saved, but not the dynamite power of the Holy Ghost, same Holy Ghost, to, uh, uh, for the giftings of the Spirit to operate. So I was raised in a non-Spirit-filled church, as a teenager, some things happened in our family where that I got as far away from God as I could as a teenager. Whenever I finally gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, I was smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. I had a very, very, very expensive cocaine habit. I was an alcoholic, and I was on my way to hell. But I went into a Pentecostal, a Holy Ghost fire-filled full gospel church for the very first time in Joplin, Missouri. And boy, was I in for a surprise. I'd never been in a church where they lifted their hands or spoke in tongues or the giftings of the Spirit flowing, anything like that. And I mean, I walked in there and brother, the, the, the people around me, when they began the praise and worship, People lifted their hands and surrendered to the Prince of Peace. Now, and that really made me feel uncomfortable because I was used to lifting my hands in surrender to the chief of police, but never in surrender to the Prince of Peace. You know what I'm talking about? And that made me feel uncomfortable. And then some people around me were speaking in, in their heavenly prayer language while they were worshiping God. And I really didn't think that much of that because I just figured I was in a, an international church and these people were speaking their own language. But then a woman jumped out in the aisle and she began to dance in their spirit. And I thought, now who's the real drunk here? Is it me or is it these people? But the Holy Ghost grabbed hold of my heart and I jumped out from behind that pew in the middle of the praise and worship and ran as fast as I could. And when my knees hit the floor in front of that altar, something broke inside of me and I stayed down on my knees until Jesus came into my heart and saved my soul. And in that same service, he baptized me, he immersed me, he submerged me, he filled me with the Holy Ghost and I have never been the same since. Somebody give the Lord a hand of praise. You know what I'm talking about. So I believe the reason why I've been able to live for God is because I've received the overcoming dynamite power of the Holy Ghost to live that overcoming life, to be an effective witness for him, to live an overcoming life. It's the same dynamite power of the Holy Ghost that I had to receive, the Apostle Paul had to receive. Jesus set the example and Jesus received the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And it's the same dynamite power of the Holy Ghost that is available to everybody listening to my voice right now. In fact, he promised it to us. Here's what he said in Acts 2.39. He said, for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Hear me tonight. Jesus is calling you tonight and telling you he wants you to have the fullness of everything that he has for you to receive in Jesus' name. Hear me. It's not about doing things with excellence. We should always do things with excellence. I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed at what the Holy Spirit does through LBA Church on the level of excellence that the church body has. But how many of you know it's not one ounce of our excellence that changes people's lives? 
It's the power of the Holy Ghost that changes people's lives, that draws people to Him. Amen? Amen. And tonight, God wants every one of us to receive from Him the dynamite power of the Holy Ghost, everything that He has for us to receive. Can I hear an amen for that? Bow your heads, close your eyes, open your hearts. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place tonight, right now.